We are so glad you joined us today on our podcast. We would love to continue to connect with you throughout the week. And to do that, you can check us out at substancechurch.com or on social media by searching at SubstanceMN or Substance Church. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. It was the winter of 2011. I had no idea that night that God was going to speak to me through a dream. This was not an ordinary dream. This dream felt real. This dream took place in a courtroom, a courtroom much like we're in today. The crazy thing about this dream is I was on trial. I was on trial for vision. I was on trial for mission. I was on trial for being the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. What was different about this trial? This trial, I wanted to be found guilty. Not, not guilty. But guilty of evidence that the works on earth, that how I serve people on earth was a witness of me being a Christ follower. Would I represent being the tangible hands and feet of Jesus? You see, in this courtroom, there needed to be evidence on earth that I was the tangible hands and feet of Jesus, representing the message of God in heaven. Guilty or not guilty. This dream has me on trial. God is the judge, Jesus the prosecutor, and I'm on trial. Not about preaching at church, not about inviting people to church, not about going to church, but about being the church. Not about faith, but about works. You see, in this dream, me being on trial, there was also a witness stand. And in the witness stand, it was odd. It was a kid from an African village who has to walk three miles to get water for his family every day. In the witness stand was a racist Nazi skinhead. Remember, this is my dream. Who doesn't really know who I am. In this witness stand was a homeless guy on the streets of Baltimore City. In the witness stand was a a single mom who was looking for positive male mentorship for her son. And Jesus looks at each one of them and he says, on earth, did you know Jimmy? To the kid and the African place who has to go get water, do Do you know Jimmy to the single mom? Do you know Jimmy to the Nazi skinhead? Do you know Jimmy? And each one of them, one by one, said on earth, I never knew Jimmy. That means I had faith without works. 
That means I prophesied in his name and I preached in his name. But did I represent the tangible hands and feet of Jesus? This is what this dream was all about. Was I going to be found guilty? Was there going to be evidence that I on earth didn't just go to church, that I was the church? And one by one, they said, I never knew Jimmy. And those harsh words and that harsh reality ended with this, Jesus saying, if they didn't know you on earth, I can't know you in heaven. And it was that day that I made it my mission to do something every day to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. Because what I found out through that dream, that faith without works is dead. What's going on, Substance Church? How y'all doing? So good to be back in Minnesota. Come on, y'all Vikings are eight and one. Come on, that's crazy, right? That's because y'all got the ex-Washington commanders now, quarterback uh, Kirk Cousins. I'm just saying, I take some responsibility for your eight and one record. That's where I'm from. So uh, I'm so honored to be here. I'm so pumped to be here, but it's cold. Y'all, it's cold for real. And I live in West Palm Beach now, so I left 85 degrees and I got off the plane. It was like five degrees, you know, and, and I, so I'm praying for you guys, uh, just on a whole uh, another you know note. But I'm so pumped today. You guys are in this heart for the house season, and you man, I just read this book about all the outreach and everything that y'all are doing as a church. Can we give it up for the vision and mission of this church? Because y'all are killing the game. I'm also honored to just do life with your amazing pastors, Peter and Carolyn and Irene, and I absolutely. Love them. Aren't they some of the best people? Can we give it up for your amazing pastors and the vision and the sacrifice and the prayer? And, and, uh, and, and I'm pumped. I'm pumped to preach today. Uh, but before I jump into my message, take out your phone. I want you to uh, just look at this QR code that is on the screen. Come on, y'all go with me. I need your help. I wrote a book and I'm so excited. It launches January 3rd and you can pre-order it now. I would love for you guys to help me pre-order it, even if you don't read it. Even if it's no good, like I have learning disabilities and wrote a book. I'm telling y'all right now, like it was like a major thing for me. And this book is teaching us how to love better. It's called Love Outside the Lines. And it's teaching us how to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. It's teaching us how to have the heart of Jesus. And I would love for you, if you're online, if you're in the room, to pre-order help. You know, this guy right here, that's a good-looking, my wife said, that's a good-looking man. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm just pumped about it in and, and, and the message. And we've had a bunch of, you know, churches and, and people pre-order it. And we're going to be doing a master class and a whole bunch of stuff to help people love outside the lines. Uh, and you guys saw that video. Did y'all see my acting skills like my inner Denzel? I was channeling it. I was channeling it. Uh, uh, but I want to talk to you today uh, from this topic, you know, from this message, from this idea. Uh, it, it's literally a little bit of love outside the lines. Uh, and, and before I jump in, I just want you to open up your heart. I just want you to open up your mind to receive from what God has for you. I asked God this morning when I got up, I said, God, more of you and less of me. And God, help me be a mouthpiece for the mission of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, today. I want you to open your Bibles or follow along on the screen to James chapter 2. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. And it says this, 
Then my dear brothers and sisters, what good, is it, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister is in the faith, is poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat. But you don't provide them with a coat or some oodles and noodles. Come on, somebody. What good is your faith? So then faith that doesn't involve action is fake or phony. The New King James Version says that faith without works is dead. It's no good. It's not living. And so today, Substance Church, I want to preach to you about that dream that I had. I want to preach to you from a, a conviction that, that God is, is really, you know, rebirthing in me again. I want to preach to you from this topic, beyond a reasonable doubt. If there was a courtroom, if, there, if you were on trial, would there be, beyond a reasonable doubt, evidence of our lives that we represent heaven on earth, that we are the tangible hands and feet of Jesus to our coworkers, to our family, that they would find Jesus through how we represent him, beyond a reasonable doubt. Father, I pray, God, that you do something amazing in this place today. And those who are watching online and those who are at other campuses, God, that you, God, and your spirit is not a respecter of location, that you would speak to us, minister to us, convict us, and compel us to walk out your mission in Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. Beyond a reasonable doubt, it was in 2011 where I was embarking upon being a lead pastor in Baltimore. I lived in Maryland, and, and, uh, and God was calling me. I was taking over my parents' church, and, and God was really unearthing in me a vision and a mission. Like, what kind of church was I going to have? Were we going to be a church just in the city, or were we going to be a church for the city? Were we going to be about inviting people to church, or were we going to be the kind of place that took church to the people? Were we going to focus on the ministry that happened inside the four walls or the mission outside the four walls? And it was that dream that I was on trial. Jesus was the prosecutor. God was the judge. And in this courtroom that you saw on that, it was a real dream. God speaks to me through dreams. In this trial, you wanted to be found guilty. That there was evidence that you didn't just go to church, you were the church. That there was evidence that this forgiveness that we have received, that we were given away freely. That there was evidence that worship wasn't just about lyrics, but it was about a lifestyle that we lived out. And shortly after that, I was on a missions trip in February in Nairobi, Kenya. And I'm telling you, substance, this was poverty like I had never experienced before. And we ended up doing ministry at this orphanage. And I remember meeting, you know, Duncan and Jane who, who were running the orphanage and they were depressed and they were discouraged because no one had, had helped them. And, and I said, man, we're going to help you. And all week long we were painting and, 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 and planting gardens. And I remember going out there because they, they had no stove and we bought a stove. And, and, and you could, I'm telling you, it was like winning a million dollars to them. 
But God was doing something in my heart. And at the end of the week, after ministering to them, I had a good idea. I said, let's go into the city about three hours away. We're going to leave the bush, and we're going to get every kid a pizza. There was 14 orphans. And when I say orphans, I'm not talking about like our definite. I'm talking about babies who had been thrown in the dumpster as infants that we had recovered. And so these kids are growing up, and, and, and I was like, man, we're going to get them all pizza. And there was 14, so I said, well, let's get 16 because I'm hungry. I'm going to need to eat two on the way home. Come on, somebody, on the way back. So we got these pizzas. And I remember giving each of the orphans, the 14, their own pizza. And we got in a circle to pray over the pizza. And what I didn't know is they had never had pizza before. Can you imagine? Come on, never pepperoni, not like never, never some, come on, meat lovers. And Steve, who was with me, was to my left. And this little seven-year-old girl, Amby, was to my right. And as I was praying, I could feel the emotion through her hand. And when I said in Jesus' name, amen, little and blessed, little Amby said words that would change my life forever. With the pizza in her hand, they wouldn't eat the pizza. And when I looked over and said, in Jesus' name, amen, I looked over and the seven-year-old girl, tears are coming down her face and she looks up to heaven and she says, God is faithful. And my heart was captured. I couldn't believe in that moment I had not delivered pizza. I had actually been a part of delivering purpose. It didn't matter whether it was pepperoni or mushroom or onion. In this box, this box, me showing up with it, it represented to that seven-year-old girl who was an orphan that in God she had been adopted. And she says, God has not forgotten about me. Pizza. Thousands and thousands of miles away. And God would capture my heart through a seven-year-old orphan who me showing up with pizza meant that God was showing up with purpose. That me showing up, come on, somebody, in that place was evidence that God had not forgotten about her. In that moment, beyond a reasonable doubt to her, God is faithful. To her, beyond a reasonable doubt that his promises are yes and amen. And it was that day I looked at every orphan in the face and I said, if it's up to me for the rest of of your lives, you will never go a day without food. And today, years later, Irene and I still support that orphanage, and Amby now works at the orphanage being pizza to other orphans. Come on, somebody. Beyond a reasonable doubt, that's what Heart for the House is, is really all about. 
is that God, we don't give to a church, we give through a church to be pizza, to couples who have experienced divorce, to be pizza, to people in our city, to be pizza for global outreach, to be pizza through Convoy of Hope when people experience disaster. When we show up, God shows up. What I love about this courtroom is I realized this equation that help equals hope. That's what happened to me in Nairobi, Kenya. Me helping that girl was hope. When we help people, it's hope. When we live out the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, when we're nice, come on, somebody. Christians can be some of the meanest people in the world. Come on. When we nice, when we, we nice. When we're nice, it's hope. When we're gentle, it's hope. When we're faithful, it's hope. When we're kind, it could, it could equal hope. Beyond a reasonable doubt. James says that faith without works is dead. It was in that courtroom where I was on trial, not just about being a pastor, not just about sermons from a stage, but was I living a sermon? Was my actions a sermon? Was I giving away the forgiveness that I received? And this is the context of James. James here, guys. James, first of all, understand he's the half-brother of Jesus. Can you imagine being the half-brother of Jesus? Like your mom and dad saying, why can't you be more like Jesus? Can you imagine being a half-brother of Jesus? Like, that would be crazy. Like, Jesus gets invited to a wedding. You don't. He turns water into the wine. The next wedding, come on, somebody. James gets invited. Jesus does it, and everyone's looking at him like, yo, what you going to do? But James is the first pastor of the first church ever. James is establishing in this letter the mission for his church. The mission For our church, the mission and vision for our hearts. And you got to understand the context in this city that James is pastoring. They're under the tyranny of Herod. They're oppressed by the Roman soldiers. They are poor. The socioeconomic climate is not great. The poverty is real. People are experiencing oppression and depression. And I love the fact that James says, you know what, guys? Faith without works is dead. He's saying, listen, we're not going to be a church in the city. We're going to be a church for the city. What James is saying is service. Church doesn't start when service starts. Church starts when service is over. And we have to have this mindset. I am the church. Come on, where you go to lunch today, the church is going to show up. You. Church going to be in traffic. The church going to be cold when they leave this building. I am the church. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Scripture says, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the tangible hands and feet of Jesus, and we've got to live this beyond a reasonable doubt life that we're holy DoorDash. Come on. We're purposeful Postmates. Y'all know, y'all, y'all, y'all ready? Come on, we're Glory Grubhub. Come on, just, I can just keep going. Yeah, we deliver hope. 
We deliver forgiveness. We deliver mercy. We deliver grace no matter what box it's in. When I show up, the heart of God shows up. James says, beyond a reasonable doubt. What he's doing is he's like, there's this dichotomy between faith and works. So I think of faith. What is faith? Faith is what I've received. I was saved by faith. But when I think about faith, I, I think about Hebrews chapter 11. These heroes of faith. You know, the scripture says, now faith. When? Now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next year. I love people now. I'll serve people now. I'll live beyond myself now. Come on. I'll be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus now. It says now faith, and I love this, is the substance. Substance church. Come on. I made that work right there. Now faith is the substance. I want you to understand this. You are the substance of somebody's now faith. When you go to work tomorrow, you are the substance of somebody's now faith. In other words, there are some people who are broken that it didn't, it didn't just happen that they sat next to your cubicle. It didn't just happen that you bumped into them in the grocery store. That is your opportunity to be the substance of somebody's now faith that they could eventually say that God is faithful. It goes on to say, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence. There's that courtroom. Evidence. Evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. I want to live a testimony. I don't want to just talk about a testimony. I want to be this now faith. I want to be the substance of somebody getting healed, somebody getting set free, somebody getting delivered, somebody getting a sandwich, somebody getting the spare change in my car. I think as Christians, what we do is they get our judgment. What they do is they get our, well, why don't you go to work? I got to work for what I got. What they do is they get our opinion. And God doesn't want us in this season to be so concerned about our opinion. Because if you're concerned, it is hard to walk out obedience. If you're always talking about your opinion. I want to just love people better. I want to serve the loss better. I don't want to just give to heart for the house. I want to be a part of having a heart for God in my house, in my community, in my city. This word faith is that substance. Then it's this word works. The word works in the Greek is a word ergon, e. R-G-O-N. It appears 181 times in the New Testament. And James uses this word 12 times in this letter in James. And when he's saying works, he's not talking about just doing stuff. This word works, it means employment. It means to be under the subjection of the kingdom boss. Come on, somebody. It means in which one is occupied. It means living for a greater purpose than yourself. It means act. It means deeds. And, and Paul talks about this word works in Ephesians. And it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. Is anybody grateful that God saved you? Come on, is that a gift? That's a gift. Like four of you, it's amazing. It's a gift from God, man. God, thank you for saving me from me. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And then in verse 9, here's the dichotomy again. It says, not by works. I'm not saved by works. But others can get saved through my works. Y'all just dropped the line right there. Y'all just sat there and stared at me. I was like, really? This is a tough crowd. I'm not saved by my works, but through my works, others can come to know the freeing power of Jesus Christ through just being pizza, through just being a hello, through just being empathetic, through, how about this, through not saying you're going to pray for somebody. Come on, y'all. I'll be praying for you. You're a liar. Just like me. How many people I says, I'll be praying for you. I ain't pray for them. I'll just text it. No, I'll just text it. Praying for you. Then I'll pray real quick, God. i just pray, God, real quick that you bless him. Just so I'm not a liar. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Faith without works is empty. It's not living. It's not life-giving. But I want to live this beyond a reasonable doubt life. If you're taking notes, like, how do, I, how do I live this beyond a reasonable doubt life? Number one, you got to have this attitude. I don't just go to church. I am the church. I'm telling you, you got to wake up with it every day. I am the church. Come on. I can't sing at all, but I am the church. Some of you, I, you sit next to somebody who you know doing worship can't sing. Uh-huh. Right? And you were like, gosh, that's bad. Took you right out of the spirit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but it's incredible that when you are the church, it's not about the lyrics that I'm singing. It's about the lifestyle that I'm living. I am the church. I am the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. I'm looking to notice. I'm looking to serve somebody who was lost. I'm looking to bring hope to somebody who was broken. I'm looking to be faith to somebody who was filled with fear. I'm looking to help somebody who was divorced. I'm looking to help somebody. I'm looking to help. I'm looking to notice. I'm looking to heal. I'm looking, come on, somebody. That's the kind of life that we have to live that says, I don't just go to church. I am the church. That's what I'm trying to do. It's hard to be the church sometimes. It costs you. It costs you your reputation. It costs you your free. It costs you not being able to say something that you think somebody deserves, that they need to hear. Come on, somebody. I want to be the church. James says this. He says, what good is it? If someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it, prove that you're the church. Prove that we didn't leave this grace and mercy at the altar. Prove that it's more than just coming on a Sunday morning. Prove it. Prove it by forgiving people that don't deserve to be forgiven. Uh-oh. Some of y'all like... I got with you, but Pastor, you ain't had to step on my toes right there. Like, no. 
It's hard. This is real. You know, the question that I have to ask myself, is there evidence that I am the church and I don't just go to church to people who may not ever step foot in the church? See, Jesus is always cross-examining people. That's what they do in courtroom. You get cross-examined. Jesus is like, hey, man, are you the church? He did this with Peter in Matthew 16. Check it out on the screen. It says, when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? I want you to understand this question is deeper than just Jesus asking Peter and the disciples. He's asking them, who do the people that you have influence with that may never have proximity with me, what do they think about me from being around you? Who do men say that I am? That's a deep question. What do you mean, Jesus? He says, what's the word on the street about me by the word on the street about you? Who do your coworkers say that I am through your witness? Who does your family say that I am? Come on, y'all, it's Thanksgiving. Some of y'all are going to sit next to family that you wish you didn't have to sit next to. You wish they weren't invited. I got some of those family. Come on, somebody. That crazy uncle. Who does he say that Jesus is through how I treat him? It's a real question. I knew we were going to be quiet today. I knew it. I told Nate, I was like, it's a different kind of message than I ever preached. They're expecting me to holler and jump around and... Now, Jesus, Peter says, you asking me? Jesus, yeah, he says, well, some say you're this, and some say you're that, and some say you're one of the prophets, and some say you're Elijah, and some say, no, no, Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? In other words, what you say that I am and your understanding of who I am will be directly reflected to their understanding of who I am. So if you don't have a revelation of who I am, they don't have a revelation of who I am through you. And what I've come to discover is church people have too much information. Come on. Church hurt me. Church ain't hurt you. People hurt you. When you understand I am the church, I don't go to church, Church hurt goes away. People hurts there. People are people and hurt people hurt people. You know, it's funny uh, that, that, that we, we, we don't have this mindset because what we do is we then leave church because we weren't being the church. Uh-oh. Why he had to say that? What I'm saying is, is when we're cross-examined, God, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. In other words, church, let's drop our information so that we can get a revelation of true who Jesus truly is. And Jesus, based on Peter's revelation, he says, I will build my ecclesia. First time we see the word church. That the word ecclesia is a Greek word for the word church. But I don't want to give you the biblical definition. I found the secular definition of what lost people think the church or should be. Are y'all ready? Because we understand the word ecclesia is more of a movement, not a monument. 
The word ecclesia is like a gathering, not just going to church. You know, they had church and houses. Like, it wasn't about the temple. It was about being the temple. Are y'all with me? So, the secular definition, I love this. It's used in the sense of a group of citizens coming together to determine the course, direction, and welfare of their city. A group of people coming together to determine the course, direction, and welfare of our city. That's what this is all about. We're saying, Minnesota, we're not a church on a block. We're a city on a hill. They can't be hidden to lost people. They can't be hidden to people struggling with anxiety and depression and suicide and drugs and homelessness. What we're saying is, man, we don't we have a heart for the house because the house has a heart for lost people, substance. You don't pastor a church. You pastor a city. Man, I get fired up because I realize that we've kept. Can you imagine if you called DoorDash? If you went on your app and they say we only deliver to people that are in the restaurant. That's crazy. But somehow when we keep church to ourselves, what we're saying is we only deliver to people who already go here. It's kind of like. If you walked up on me and I had an aquarium and I was fishing in it, how crazy that would be. What I would be saying is I'm only going after fish that are already caught. That was good, y'all. Y'all should. That was good. I never said that before. That's what we do when we keep the gospel to ourselves. That's what we do when we wait to church, get to church to love on people. When we wait to get into a small group to love on people. We are fishing in an aquarium. And it is time for our family to experience the evangelistic nature of Jesus loves anybody, everybody, and anyone, no matter what. He says, I'll build my church. I don't see architectural plans show up. I don't see a building committee show up. I don't like, like scripture doesn't say a construction company shows up. When Jesus tells Peter, I'll build my church, what he's saying is, Peter, I'm not building something in you, I, for you. I'm building something in you. I'm not building something for you to go to once a week. I'm building something for you to be every day. I am the church. I don't just go to church. Beyond a reasonable doubt, number two. I'm going to put my mission where my mouth is. That was me in that dream. You going to be a pastor? You, you going to be in Baltimore? You gonna, how you going to help the homeless? How you going to help the discouraged? One of our first things that we did at our, at our church and our heart for the house is we got to we got a shower truck. We bought a, a trailer and outfitted it with showers. And we show up to all the homeless areas every Saturday and we give people showers, no strings attached. Oh, y'all, it was amazing. And they would ask questions like, are y'all going to show up again? Are y'all going to be here? 
Yeah, and guess what? We moved the shower to the church. And so the homeless people would, I don't know how they get there, but they would all shower. They were like, let's not just give them a shower. Let's give them a hot meal, but we're going to give them the shower before church and the hot meal after church so they have to stay for church. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And they would stay for church, and then we put on a, a homeless uh, birthday party because half of them didn't know when their birthday was. So we got all the businesses in the city to come together and buy clothes for them, and we put on a mall, and they got to come in the church, and we had clothes, and they got to go shopping. We gave them tickets like it was real money, and we gave them all the estheticians and barbers and, and, and people who did hair, did all their hair, and we threw the biggest birthday party ever. And guess what? That was the greatest sermon that I I've ever preached in my life. I didn't get on a stage. I was in the stage of people with people who are going through all sorts of stages of life. God is calling us to put our mission where our mouth is. And I'll never forget a Sunday morning, a guy who was homeless interrupted the service. I was in the middle of preaching. I didn't tell the last service this. I just got fired up. I was in the middle of preaching. I don't even know what I was preaching on. And this homeless guy, thousands of people in the auditorium, hey, pastor. I'm like, oh, no one's ever did that. He says, I want to get saved. And I was like, who else wants to get saved? Come on, somebody. And so I stopped my sermon and salvation began to break out all throughout the church. Why? Because there was somebody who put their mission where their mouth was and it made somebody who was lost become found because I didn't fish in an aquarium and deliver DoorDash to just my own people. <laughs> we got to put our mission where our mouth is. Let's not talk about it. Let's be about it. I, I, just, for me, guys, I'm going to tell you all this was hard. I'm going to ask the keyboard player to come. For me, it was hard in my dream. See, the first person was easy. The homeless guy on the streets of Baltimore, it was easy to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus to him. The African, the kid who had to walk three miles to get water, that was a real thing. We ended up building wells in Tanzania because of that dream. The single mom who needed positive male mentorship for her son, we started a track and field program. It all came from the dream. Everything that we did in our church came from that dream. And today, 42 athletes since 2011, some of them with no dads, have gotten full Division I college scholarships through that track and field ministry. Yep. And there are four kids that might be in the next Olympics through Jimmy and Irene saying, what, what can we do to live this beyond a reasonable doubt life? But you know it was hard? The Nazi racist. Oh, Jesus, you, you surely don't want me to love him. I'm, I'm, I'm a... You guys know, like, I, I'm a part of this family. I'm your black uncle. You know all of this. Like, like, we have fun. Like, but you want me to love somebody who prejudges me? 
you, you want me to turn the other cheek? You want this misery to be my ministry? He says, yeah, put your mission where your mouth is. And I've made it as hard as it's been. My ministry to love people who don't love me back. God's using me tremendously in this area. All around the world, I was on the phone doing an hour-long talk with someone from the United Nations two weeks ago. I can't even spell. And they're like, we want you to weigh in on this. You know what I found out, church? That love is at its best when people are at their worst. Man. And every time I serve those who don't deserve to be served, I feel honored by God. I feel like at the end of the day, I can lay my head on the pillow and say, you know what, God, it hurt. It cost me. But today, I teamed up with you change the world. Guess what? We don't get a pass, Christians. There's no such thing as justified unforgiveness because of what they did. Because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us something even though we had something that he didn't even like. Sin. So I have to put my mission where my mouth is and lastly, beyond a reasonable doubt, what I'm saying is this, my compassion will be followed up by my action. Y'all know them people like, not you, not the worst of the next. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, that breaks my heart. What I've learned is what breaks my heart is actually the fuel of what moves my feet. The Bible says, here in Matthew 9, 36 and 37. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. For they were weary and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. And he said to the disciples, the door dashers, the postmate workers, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest send out laborers into his harvest. I love how this starts. It says that Jesus didn't have compassion. He says he was moved with compassion. Having compassion is one thing. Somebody else will do something about it. But being moved with compassion, it makes you go three miles, three, uh, 30, whatever, how long it was, out of the way, three hours out of the way to go get pizza three hours back to deliver hope to, 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 to be a part of heart for the house see what you're saying is it's me I, I've I'm, I'm all in pastor I'm, I want to be a part of changing the world I'm going to be moved with compassion I'm not going to have compassion compassion is going to move me to write a check. Compassion is going to move me to live beyond myself. Compassion is going to move me to serve. It's going to move me to show up. It's going to move me to sign up. Some of you have been on the fence like, I don't know. 
Let me tell you something. You don't give to a church, you give through a church. And if God had a bank account, it would be called Substance Church because he trusts you with vision and he trusts you with mission. And everything that you have done up to this point is just a drop in the bucket for everything that you're gonna do. Oh, I'm trying to tell y'all, I'm gonna be moved with compassion. Y'all, my team, my missions team, they went back to the orphanage a year later. A year later. Guess what they found? Empty pizza boxes on the wall like trophies because they didn't represent pizza. They represented the faithfulness of God. And to those orphans, they weren't an indication that their bellies were full. They were indications that they were full of purpose and destiny and hope. In substance, I came all the way from 85 degree weather to minus nothing to ask you one question. Who can you be pizza for? Who can you serve? Who can you be destiny door dash to? Yep. All of us got people. All of us right now you can think of a person that don't deserve it. That's probably the person you should serve first. I'm telling you right now, I have come to discover that I'm guilty as charged. I want every person I come contact with. Yeah, I know Jimmy. I knew Jimmy, he served me, he helped me. He delivered me. What I love about this, I love that one day you're gonna go to heaven and people are gonna walk up to you and say thank you. And you're like, I don't know you. No, you gave in that heart for the heart offering. And let me tell you what happened. We, your, your church, they served me. I gave my life to Jesus and my whole family gave their life to Jesus because somebody was, ordering, was, was willing to deliver pizza. Can you stand with me? I wanna pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice, everybody watching online, everybody in the room, everybody at every campus, and I pray, God, that we would have a Holy Spirit conviction, that we would be compelled to live out the Great Commission with compassion and with empathy and with zeal. God, that we will save and seek those who are lost. And as we serve people, God, we are paying the ransom of sin and death off of their life. And Jesus name and everybody said a good amen. I love you, Substance Church. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you would like to contribute to Substance financially, you can do so by visiting substancechurch.com slash giving and then select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening and be sure to check in next week for a new message.